Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today is Monday, September 18th, 2023. This is edition number 160 of season eight as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we begin chapter 29 of the Lord's Supper. We'll consider paragraph number one in today's edition. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we continue our examination and study of the sacraments of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacraments of baptism, and as well the Lord's Supper, we pray that you might guide and direct us and give us understanding into these truths that your word uh, teaches us. We thank you for the summaries that have been made available to your church through learned men of old, and we pray that we would lay hold of the benefits that they offer to us, that we would in some sense understand more deeply this sacrament that we participate at often. We pray, Father, that you would help us now for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come to chapter 29 of, uh, of the Westminster Confession of Faith. We are considering paragraph number one, uh, a matter, a, a doctrine that... Uh, uh, I remain convinced that in many ways uh, there are people in the church that are somewhat ignorant as to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. They uh, then therefore don't benefit greatly or as much as they ought because of their misunderstandings of various things about it. Uh, like baptism, the Lord's Supper is not some magic formula. We approach this sacrament like baptism by faith. Uh, we come believing that God has given this sacrament to us. The Lord Jesus Christ has instituted it, ordained it for us, uh, for our spiritual good and our spiritual nourishment. So let's consider paragraph number one today. There we read, Our Lord Jesus in the night wherein he was betrayed instituted the sacrament of his body and blood called the Lord's Supper to be observed in his church unto the end of the world for the perpetual remembrance of the sacrifice of himself in his death, the sealing all his benefits thereof unto true believers, their spiritual nourishment and growth in him, their further engagement in and to all duties which they owe unto him, and to be a bonded pledge of their communion with him and with each other as members of his mystical body. Let me just read from Paul's words and. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. And remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so these are the words of institution um, given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. You may hear your minister uh, use these very words whenever the Lord's Supper is celebrated. Um, But let's see what we can learn from these items that are given to us here in paragraph number one. Again, looking or dipping into Dr. Van Dixhorn's commentary occasionally in this first paragraph, uh, just very briefly in some places. But let's look at some of these items. Some of these, as as Dr. Van Dixhorn puts it, some of the cardinal truths about the Lord's Supper. First, we note that it was the Lord Jesus who institutes the Lord's Supper. Our Lord Jesus in the night wherein wherein he was betrayed instituted 
the sacrament of his body and blood called the Lord's Supper. Now, it's a very interesting point, and one of my members here at Providence was reflecting on this very thing uh, and communicating that, sharing that with me the other day, that here when the Lord Jesus Christ institutes this sacrament, we have highlighted for us in the words of institution these, this one phrase, on the night when he was betrayed. Knowing full well what was in front of him, he still sought to minister to his disciples, minister to his church, and to give to his church this sacrament. Though the, the agony that still lay, that lie ahead and the suffering of the cross that was still in front of him, he was more mindful of his church than he was his own self. The night in which he was betrayed, the night in which this man who walked with him and uh, labored alongside him for three, three and a half years was going to betray him into the hands of evil uh, people. We also further note from this that this is not some institution that was made by man. This is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God-man, and He's given it to His church. The second thing we note um, that it was on that night, as Dr. Van Dixhorn puts it here, on that night that Jesus instituted sacrament of his body and blood. Now he goes on to say this is a striking phrase, not popular in Protestant churches today, but historically very accurate in its emphasis. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he showed he ate and he drank the elements of bread and wine. But his words emphasized not the elements of the supper, but the reality they represented. For what did Jesus say? This is my body, which is for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. The third thing we note from this opening paragraph, the sacrament of Christ's body and blood is to be observed by or observed in his church. Now, Dr. Van Dirkshorn rightly observes, and it's a very interesting observation, that when Jesus first instituted the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, he gave it to his disciples, who then, as, who then would go out and build his church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then therefore gives it to his other disciples, that is, you and me. It was given to the church. It wasn't just given to a wide branch of people and some randomized idea. This was hand-picked, selected opportunity to administer this meal, to give it to them for the first time, and through that he then gives it to the rest of his church on purpose, intentionally, and directly. The fourth thing we notice is that we do this until the end of the world. The hope and the promise of Christ's return is there before us. We do this until he comes. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The fifth thing that to note in this opening uh, paragraph is um, the things that Jesus Christ is promising uh, to true believers. As Dr. Van Dixhorn puts it, we celebrate the supper not only in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice of himself, but also in remembrance that Jesus promised his body for us and that his bloody covenant is with us. Jesus gave himself in our place and for our sake, and the supper was designed to keep this glorious fact before our eyes. Now, I would go on to say that because it's always before our eyes, this meal that represents the cost that was necessary for, you, for our sin to be atoned, for our sin to be forgiven, is always before us. Because it is always before us, even as Christians, we must always keep the cross of Christ before us. The cross is not something we did way back in the past. That may be true, 
But the cross is always something that is in front of you every single day. And so you walk the Christian life in dependence upon the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit. Six, the supper is to be, to be observed for our spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. The Lord's Supper, as Dr. Van Dixhorn puts it here, the Lord's Supper is like a good sermon. It is intended as food for the soul. This is not food for the body. This is food for uh, the soul. Seventh, we are to celebrate the Lord's Supper for our further engagement in and to all duties which we owe to Him. That is to say, it reminds us of the obligation we have as His followers, as His disciples, as His disciples on that first celebration of the Lord's Supper, as His followers today, we have an obligation to live in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you not do that? Look what this meal represents, a meal that represents what actually occurred on that night in which he was betrayed. Uh, eighth, the Lord's Supper is to be observed in the church as a powerful symbol of our communion with Christ by His Holy Spirit. And finally, it's a recollection of that First Supper and reflection on 1 Corinthians 10, our uh, clearly calculated by God to underscore the closeness of our communion, not only with Christ, but with Christians. Those last two points directly read out of Dr. Van Dixhorn's commentary. Now, that last point is very important. This is one of the reasons why we celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together. We do it in the confines of corporate worship. We do it as brothers and sisters at a family meal and so while it points us certainly to all the other things that I've mentioned in this opening paragraph, as is mentioned in this opening paragraph, I don't want to go, get away from this opening paragraph and without underscoring the, the importance of the communion we have, not only with Christ in this meal, but also the, uh, what we have with one another in the church. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition, when we look at paragraph number two, may the Lord help you today. May you walk according to his will. God bless.